0: Exponent so 2 sad. podcast. Carol Ann here, calling in from Minneapolis. I'm here with Ramona.
1: Calling in from Barbados. We're hey. very, very late and very, very hot.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, end of August. And Heather. Hey,
2: talking to you from Provo, Utah. Whoop, whoop.
0: Well, <laughs> welcome. Welcome. We're excited to talk to you all tonight. We have decided we're going to fo- keep it short tonight because we end a summer. Um, we got stuff to do. We got, we need to recharge. We're tired. Okay. But we did want to talk tonight about our feminist awakenings, our journeys of feminism, how we got to where we are being feminist ladies, not being afraid of the F word, the other F word, uh, feminism. And yeah, so we're excited to share our stories and we would love to hear yours. Um, remember that you can send us a voice memo at podcast at exponentii.org love to hear read an email or listen to your voice memo and then we could talk about it um for the for us tonight who wants to go first who's feeling
2: who's feeling called to (laughs) who's gonna take the plunge first i'd Um, love to hear ramona as the youngest here right i'm really curious to to hear her experience um,
1: I okay, sure, throw me to the wolves, guys <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay as as the baby of the group, um, I think my feminism awakening kind of just gradually crept up on me. Um mm-hmm. I grew up Methodist, and I've always seen women being in positions of authority. I've seen women preach, I've seen women take active part in church roles and stuff like that never really questioned anything because we had just as much rights as any man in the church um we i i found that um because i was seeing women being in charge so often that i never really questioned what it was like to not be that civil um and I mean, women went to the highest parts of leadership in the Methodist circuit. Okay, I was gonna women. ask that. Okay, oh, okay, yeah. very cool. So it was like, okay, yeah, cool, great, amazing, but not really considering it until I became a Saint, mm-hmm. where women are kind of like the sideline characters. We you kind of sit out there with the furniture and look mm-hmm. cute, and wear us mm-hmm. the best, and that's all we do mm-hmm. um, sometimes um but I really didn't think about it really until I became a member um but I guess I always grew up with feminists in my family um I was used to that culture of women being assertive and in charge and the quiet feminists well (laughs) okay that's a bad thing to say they were quiet but they were also fierce feminists too Mm. but I was right. It was very much normal to see women take care of houses and not having to depend on a man or, you know, having their life put together, or even if they had a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. just being able to assertively handle their own lives, um, just figuring stuff out. So when I became a member, it kind of really made me sad for a while because it was like, okay, so what do I do now? Am I just supposed to be a wife and a mother, and that's all you're relegating me to? Um, and and that's, that I want to
0: pause for a sec. That's really interesting. That even as a convert, like that is a because I felt like I was kind of ingrained with in that message because I like grew up and was like raised by people who that's what they did. And so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like even as a convert, did you yeah. that you felt like that was the the message and programming for women within the yeah, church? It, I feel
1: like it is, um, and. Even when I came in, I came in when I was 24 years old, which is still pretty young, still pretty young. Um, And I remember somebody was like, as soon as I came in, are you going to go on a mission? I was like, no, I'm not going on a mission. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then are you going to get married? Mm -hmm. No, there's nobody here to get married to. And also I have standards, you know, I have to look around carefully. And they were like, okay, so you're not getting married. You're not going on a mission. Um, At that time, I was in college. Or did I have a job? So they were like, so what are you doing with your life? I was like, um, I'm living and existing. Right. But a lot of the times, it's like that wife and mother role becomes so focused on women in the church and even converts to the church because Sometimes it's like we have to make up for the fact we weren't here the entire time. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess my feminist side of me was kind of buried for a really long time being in the Methodist church because I didn't feel like if I needed to use it, oh, it felt like I didn't have to use my feminism at all. So here I come in the church where it's like, oh yeah, you can't be that rah-rah loud feminist woman. Demanding change and wanting to save the world and cause all this change, um, and then it kind of became unearthed over time. Um, and then being able to use my voice and sometimes being the unpopular person in the church because it's like, why are you trying to challenge the status mm-hmm. um,
2: quo?
1: So it's it's just something that gradually happens over time in my memberships. And as I became a little bit more nuanced, it just became a lot more apparent that my feminism was kind of in there screaming for escape.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just the like, yeah, not putting up with it anymore.
1: I mean, and that makes you really unpopular, Um, Mm. um, especially if you're somebody in the church who wants to appear to be good which a lot of converts struggle with um, when we get baptized and we come into the church. We want to be seen as good members. Mm. And so you add something like being yourself, whether it's before you became baptized or after you became baptized, and you come through and you have that personality of that cheap, charged woman, that assertive woman, that woman who is not going to take bull crap, that woman who's asked the questions and then you become the problem Mm -hmm. and as a convert it's really difficult because you have no community to fall back on
0: right that's such a good interesting point i didn't think about but that aspect of like trying to appear good i've just tried to like fit in of like like kind Mm -hmm. of you said like get up to speed because there is so much language and like uh yeah so much like language and how you dress and how you interact and don't rock the boat. Like there's a lot of norms um, and taboos.
1: Yeah. It was, it was really difficult for me. Um, I mean, even from other women as well, it's like, why do you have these opinions? Why are you saying the things you're saying? Why are you doing the things you're doing? You should just shut up or you should just. Oh, Oh, go ahead
0: as I'm interrupting you. Oh, sorry. Do you feel like you got that more from LDS women or from even yeah. like Methodist women? Okay. Or the, yeah. the
1: pressure to be and I'm just saying to be and leaving it that the 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 quote there. The yeah. the pressure to be in the church as a woman for a convert, a black convert from the Caribbean, with no I don't want to say no types in the church overseas, but We are kind of isolated in our in our Caribbean region, so we want to be seen as good. So when a woman comes through that doesn't project goodness, Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. think that that it should be, they're the problem. They need to be fixed. Or fixed is fixed is saying that I that I think we should be put down. But (laughs) um, to like
0: get in line, yeah, it's pull
1: the line, pull the Mm -hmm. line, Mm -hmm. proceed as good
0: yeah Oof. thank you thank you and if more yeah. if another story comes up as as heather and i are sharing like feel free to interrupt and yeah and share more stories sure. too because i am i am intrigued that you felt so like empowered until joining the church yeah. um and i'm like jealous and think it's really cool <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. sorry jealous really cool that like you didn't have those experiences and 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 oh. then i'm, I'm enraged oh, and sad that I'm, since since then yeah
1: i I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) You're fine. Yeah. 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 I I do remember at one point, um, we went on a young single adult's trip. And at that point, my grandmother had just passed away. um, Mm. Who has made me into the very much feminist that I am now. With every birthday, I become more like her. Um, Mm. And I remember going on this trip and a young man was talking about the fact he wanted to get married. And we were like, okay, so you want to get married? So what are the things you're looking for in his, in your wife? And he was like, oh, I'll never marry you, Barbadian girls, because you girls just talk too much and you have so many opinions, and uh, uh, you want to have your cake and eat it too. I think mean, he's married now, so good for him, um, but sad for her. Yeah, I, is she okay? She figured out yeah. wanted to make it work, um, mm-hmm. but. I remember just being like, "Okay, so you're telling me that if I want to get married in this life, I have to change the fundamentals of who I am," and that just made me really, really, really sad. Yeah. And for a while, I tried to toe the line, and it made me absolutely miserable. It made yeah. me so miserable because I Code was switching. projecting. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like. You know, like when you code switch an accent and because it happens to me, it doesn't happen around Heather for some reason. I think Heather, Heather, <laughs> I think because Heather met me here in Barbados, it doesn't happen with Heather when I met Heather. Um, but it's like you meet somebody, you're that code switch goes off and you, you go from speaking in your normal dialect to speaking this language, mm. but it's not really you. And yeah. I, I often think of the way that some of us have to just totally the lane as that code switch, just in a different context.
0: Yeah. Oof. Okay, Heather, do you want, are we doing youngest to older, or do you want to go next?
2: <laughs> I, go for it. I don't care. All right. What all right. I'm, I'm the middle
0: aged lady at almost 36. Um, and yeah, opposite from Ramona where I, so I was definitely raised like around strong women, but it was like strong kind of silent women Mm. who were great partners, great homemakers, great kind of side gigs on the side because they were amazing moms. Just a lot of, a lot of that pressure. Um, the great above two, two years ahead of me in the young women's program, there were, um, i'm like wait where to start so i'm gonna back up for one second when i was six years old um, i was living in houston texas and so that's a place where there's like a nasa museum so I went to this really cool nasa museum and i was like mom i want to be an astronaut and she's like carolyn do you want to be an astronaut or do you want to be a mom and i was like oh well, i guess i want to be a mom and Whoa. so and that, that story can... is in rachel oh. ruckert's book <laughs> east winds um hmm. And it, yeah, so just like like being told at like that age, like you can't do both yeah. um, is my like <laughs> earliest imprint message. Um, a funny aside, one of my boyfriends years ago, I shared that story with him. He's like, I had the opposite problem. I was afraid I'd be sent to space because I'm so smart and that I'd be alone and I didn't want to go to space. <laughs> I was oh, like, geez. how can we have more opposite experiences? <laughs> so I, I'm not an astronaut. I am a mother, but I am a working mom, which is like different than what um yeah. my mom is, my mom did. And and that's created some some tension over the years. But like um she came yeah. out the last couple weeks, like last week and a half and helped we had a gap in childcare, and she helped so much. And um, so I have been feeling more love and support as she's been trying to help in the ways that she can. Yeah. Uh anyway, back to my woman's story of two so the like cool laurels so two years ahead of me in the young women's program like six of them graduated the same time and then four of them got married the summer after their freshman year of college so i feel like they like changed the narrative after that they're like hey kind of like try to kind of rah-rah don't just get married narrative i feel like changed a little bit because i think they're kind of like "Uh uh-oh like everyone's all the 19 year olds are getting married Uh uh-oh um but i also yeah I, I think back to like, I think if I had the opportunity to get married at 19, I would have done it because that's just what I was raised with Mm -hmm. is the like, go to college, meet someone like you meet your partner at BYU. And so the joke for me was like, oh, do you get a refund? You didn't get married when you were at BYU. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, I feel like, oh, pause,
1: go let's hear it. Oh, go ahead. I want to hear your story first. Oh, okay. All right.
0: But okay. As a spirit called, you can interrupt. Totally fine. Um yeah so remember at BYU I felt like yeah human I feminism is kind of a bad word and so a sociology professor was like the other f word in utah feminism and so I like love that joke hold on to it remember it um cuz it is such a like sticky definitely like a a bad word like in my I feel like growing up like the the um connotation for feminist was like you love abortion you hate men equals feminism so you're kind of like yeah. oh I'm not that person um mm-hmm. And patriarchy is good. Patriarchy means patriarchal blessings. That's how the church is run. Like, I remember that when I first started dabbling and understanding Carol Gilligan, I was like, oh, is patriarchy bad? Like, and just like feeling kind of scared. So reading Abby Hansen's article um, on the blog about Barbie, she also was like searching, like, is patriarchy bad? I was like, I kind of had a similar experience of like, just kind of that is it okay to question patriarchy and then just kind of understanding more of like, oh, this is a system, it's easy to say noble patriarchy, but it's still patriarchy anyway, what else feminism uh yeah, I think my like uh I was kind of like the hippie hipster at b y u and so I did run with I found my people, and so I'm like so grateful for like so many interesting men and women I got to know better
1: um I love you, Caroline. I think we would have been friends if we'd been to college at the same time. Totally, I,
0: think I was so very too. much
1: the other side. I was wearing all black. Ooh. Very much alternative lifestyle. Um, not alternative lifestyle in the way we, in that way. But uh, alternative lifestyle, like alternative music, Lincoln Park, and all that good stuff. Nice. Uh, I think we would have been friends. We would have been in the same circles.
0: Totally, totally. <laughs> like, it took me a couple of years to I found my people. Also, you said alternative lifestyle. One more story about my mom. Sorry, mom. I know you are listening to the podcast now. Um, years ago, I decided to become vegetarian because of BYU and some friends I made. And so I, um, we went out. We were like went shopping with my aunt and my mom and cousin. We went to the food court and I was like, mom was like, I want pizza. I was like, I want this other thing. My mom was like, I'll get what you're eating. And then to my aunt, she was like, I'm trying to be supportive of my daughter's lifestyle change. And so just laughing at like lifestyle change of vegetarianism, <laughs> but making it sound yeah. like I was queer, which yeah. the vegetarian lifestyle, the vegetarian lifestyle. Anyway, um, back to the feminism. But yeah, again, strong, strong people, inklings of also the family joke. Cause I went to BYU and got a liberal on everyone, but I think it was just my professors, those yeah. liberal, liberal professors. No professors who taught me how to think. And then just some really good friends who were so good. And question yeah. things and a lot of them aren't Mormon anymore. Um and and then going to getting to uh moving to Boston and getting into the orbit of exponent too. Um, getting to be around, I like ended up going to a retreat, getting to be around women who are just so many different ages of feminists was mm-hmm. so, so powerful for me. I'd been in singles wards for like so many years. So getting to be around like different people of different ages and experiences, which is so deeply refreshing. So I feel like yeah. that's my, my time in Cambridge also like died me all the way through, <laughs> coming through. So that's my quick feminist awakening.
1: Yeah. I, Caroline, I think, okay, first thing, Boston is a good place to become a feminist. Boston yeah. gives that kind of vibe, Yeah, of, you know, just everybody doing their own thing. I love Boston no lie i've been twice because my family lives there um but like i like what you said you know it's it's sometimes sad when we don't really think about our feminism until the event has passed Mm -hmm. um and I I guess I'm so proud of you for like what you said when you were like oh yeah I graduated BYU and I wasn't married Mm -hmm. because that is a conversation I have with every single missionary young woman who passes by my house and they're leaving to go home I'm like don't get married the first year you get home I'm like go on a trip and and they look at me with this look like why not um they're like oh my gosh Ramona's so crazy so Ramona's a hipster Mm -hmm. um and I'm like, don't get married. Go on one trip by yourself.
0: Figure out get who you are some more. Thoughts.
1: Figure yeah. out who you are. Don't let marriage be the thing that defines you as a woman and as a person. And they're like, oh, what is she saying? Mm. Ramona like died in the wall. Like she's the crazy lady. Um, I mean, I have four dogs, so I guess I'm the crazy dog lady. <laughs> but but like I always say that. Um, and I told one of my friends that and <laughs> She struggles, obviously, just because of the culture um, of Utah as a young woman. The dating culture is like, if you're not married by 21, if you're not married by 25, if you're not married by 30, the alarm bells start going off. So she struggles with that. Um, and I'm like, you, dude, you have a master's degree. like, Chill. Go on some more trips by yourself and get to know who you are before you get married. Okay, um, pause
0: about master's degree. Quick story. Um, when I was getting my first master's degree, an aunt was like, are you sure you want to do that? Aren't you worried you might scare the boys away? And I was like, I oh, don't want to date those kind of boys. <laughs> oh, that, that I, ended the conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I had that conversation with a previous mission president's wife. Because I said, like, this is when I was first started my associate's degree. I said, I'm not going to get married until I finish my bachelor's degree, at least, because I want to make sure that the name on the end of the degree is mm-hmm. my family's name. Oh, Because I will not have a man's name on my degree who did not earn the degree. Ha, ha, ha. Oh. And she was like, she was like, Ramona, you know, you could get married while you're still studying. I was like, but then I got to put his name on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is my degree.
0: Do I- you? Do you have to? You get to decide. <laughs>
1: well, they were, but like now I'm trying to yeah. figure out the typical jargon of like, do you have to put your husband's name on the degree if you get married to them? And then you're practicing under your name or his name and oh. a whole lot of stuff. So, but she just was like, oh, you need to get married. And I was like, no, I need to finish my degree. I need to get my education and then anything else can play after that which is
0: so pause on that because there's like a spencer w kimball heather it's someone who's like don't delay marriage don't delay children like
1: like, then you like see ladies at church and i always feel sorry for them the ones who got married super young and this is not judgment. this is just plain fact i always feel sorry for them because most times the husband is in the bishopric they're not at home doing childcare most of the times. Yeah, and you can see that these ladies just need an outlet, and they're tired. Mm-hmm. And there's like one or two kids. Sometimes three, sometimes four. And I'm like, lady, I just want you to get out of the house so you can just have a moment to breathe. You just look like you need an outlet to be by yourself for like one day. Yeah, and I, I mean things like that when you know we see messages like don't delay marriage it kind of does the reverse it makes people who delay marriage the villains especially women because nobody looks at the man the man can have children until he's like 80 90 yeah um, that's a stretch mm-hmm. but then we start to measure the woman in terms of her fertility how much years does she have until she's not fertile? fertile, fertile? Um like yeah, I, oh, I felt
0: like when i was in boston that there's this messaging so i was in the singles wards for like five years in the singles wards I, out there I'm in boston sorry. anyway but i felt like the messaging was like um to the women it was like you beautiful daughters of zion i am so sorry and to the men it was like hurry up get married what's the problem but then a certain state president that heather also knows he started preaching to the he's like hey women if you're over 30 you should start dating outside the church. You'll likely find a partner. There's lots of good men. Go find them. Yeah. So I was like proud of him for like being yeah. more realistic about that.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's one thing that bugs me about the single wards. I am so glad I have just a family ward here. There's enough craziness here to go on for 800 generations. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think more than that by suffering through the singles ward. Um but I, I definitely understand, like, when you see, because I, when I was in Utah, I did go to uh, a young single adult and a single adult because okay. I had 30. Like mid-singles, yeah, yeah. Okay. The mid-singles, mm-hmm. where there was no pressure. And it was so lovely. I was like, why is everybody in Salt Lake City freaking out because they're not married at 21? All yeah. I needed to do was to go down the road to the little mid-singles and just eat cookies and tamales and stuff like why get to know each other that's so exactly. good yeah reduce yeah. that
0: pressure heather what is your journey you're older and wiser than us let's hear
2: it Well, the older for sure i don't know about the wiser more so, experienced. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. i've got more mileage on me um so i was born in in 1968 and in 1972, is when Title IX came out, hmm. which equalized things with sports. Mm-hmm. And so I had friends who, like, a couple of them who were like, I'm going to play soccer. And mm-hmm. that just seemed like revolutionary. Like, there mm-hmm. were no, like, my brothers p- played like t ball, softball, like, all the things that, like, there were not stuff for girls, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really exist. And then, You know, when I was a few years later, then all the ERA stuff was going on Mm -hmm. and I wasn't old enough to totally understand, but I can remember asking my mom, like, aren't equal rights good? Like, Uh you know, it it just, my mom's like, well, if the ERA passes, like, you're going to have to, like, men and women will, will share bathrooms and women will have to to go to war pregnant and you know pregnant soldiers and like it just you know dogs and cats will sleep together like it just was yeah. like like this crazy thing and and um and so you had that going on then at the same time you had charlie's Angels, which was like the big tv show mm. and and share and so you had these like really empowered women on the one hand, but then somehow all the power was tangled up in sex. Yeah, and so it was like positive,
1: but, but negative- also not
2: positive. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Like, like it was, you know, it was like this, this total, this total mix. So um I went to BYU in 1986, and at that point, I don't know if I, I wouldn't have called myself a feminist. Um, and and I identified with a lot of what you said, Carol Anne, where women were smart and powerful, but always willing to defer, mm-hmm. whether it was like their education or their job or whatever they kind of wanted and needed for the family or for the husband or mm-hmm. for the calling.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like women are fabulous, but they sort of exist to sacrifice. Mm. Um, so BYU freshman year, I go to a devotional. I don't remember who it was. It was a woman. So she was, she had to be like primary young women relief society, like one of those. And she gets up there and you're going to think I'm making this up and I am not making this up. My, my roommate will attest to it. She says in this total primary voice, sisters, we don't need to grow up. And be astronauts and astronomer because we can sing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" to our babies. Do oh, you think that's still no. in BYU speeches, or
0: do you think they cut that line out from
2: 1986? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, oh, but I was like, it. I came Yikes. home, Yikes. I came back to my dorm room, and I told my roommate, and she and I. We're busting it We were laughing yeah. so hard. And then at yeah. a certain point, I realized I was no longer laughing. I was crying. Mm. It was like this really traumatic thing. Like, Oh my mm. gosh, that's so ridiculous. And yet is it, isn't that yeah. kind of the message mm. that like it's got to be, it's not a both and it's an either or and mm. selfish people have ambition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was, that was a, a really tricky thing. um Oof. And then from that same year, 1987, but like second semester,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um after I went home, my mom was the Stake Relief Society president. And this is when Benson gave his talk where he to quote the
0: mothers of Zion. To the
2: mothers, where he quotes Kimball come home from the typing pool. And I'm like, what's, what's a typing pool? Like, the like, those don't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. The haberdashery, or like whatever (laughs) (laughs) old-timey job they imagined that we had, and so he gives this talk, and it's not enough that they just give the talk, but the church turned it into a pamphlet, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they sent it to all the Relief Society presidents. So my mom, I remember her getting this big box, and my mom was working at the time. My Mm -hmm. dad's job didn't. He was consulting. He didn't, we didn't have health insurance. So my mom was working and my mom knew that a lot of the women in the state were working for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Most of them not. So they can afford a boat and be self-indulgent. Right. Or like, I hate Whatever that. the I narrative is, Yeah. you know, they <laughs> are like, who has a boat? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, people are working because they have to. And so my That's... mom made this decision. Not to pass it out, whoa, and, oh my God yeah, and go I on. clearly, all these years later, I really, really remember that as mm-hmm. as this huge formative thing that my mom, even though she very much was a company man, was very much party line, did not question the brethren. That she recognized that her duty as stake relief society president was to the women, yeah. mm-hmm. that they protect were her them. charges, <laughs> that it was her job she was set apart and called to protect them and serve them, and that she wow, would not be doing that if she them. gave it to them mm-hmm. yes wow, and so yeah. my my mom really exhibited this this kind of nuance um and then. At BYU, I, the, I also had my big feminist awakening at BYU. I was there when Cecilia Farr was mm. fired and, um, you know, right September 6th and there was just lots of fear and, mm. but, um, but fabulous teachers that I had that really just, um, encouraged me to, to value my education for education's sake. Gloria mm-hmm. Cronin was one of my professors, and she just kept saying to me, "Why don't you get a master's? You're you're really good at this English stuff. Why don't you do it?" And I'm at a certain point, I'm like, "Why don't I?" Mm-hmm. You know? And so I called my parents because in my family, education was quite possibly maybe one hair above the church, or they were like neck and neck. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, as far as like, what do we value? And I called my parents and I was like, I'm going to get a master's. And I was married at this point And my husband, and uh, my dad said, you can't get a master's. It's your job. Once you graduate to work and support your husband through his school, mm-hmm. you can't get a master's. Oh, no. Nah. Mm. Yeah. And I paused and I said, I'm not calling to ask for permission yeah like I realized I'm like I'm not asking for their money I'm not asking for
1: right I'm like
2: I just thought you would be excited for me oh, you know
1: I love it Heather I like it that you weren't asking for permission um that is oof. there's so much to take away from that story Heather I feel like
2: there's so much well and what's funny Ramona is that I then made a conscious choice not to use my maiden name and not to have it put on my master's thesis because I was like, I don't want you to take credit for this, Dad. Oh. You were a poophead. So you, did the, <laughs> so you did the opposite of what I, what I want to do. Yes, but similar motive about being, this is mine. Yeah. Like, like your new identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know like i choose i choose my last name Mm -hmm.
1: i i find that even now years later um the language hasn't changed the faces haven't changed it's still the same message regurgitated to the generations we still will hear um women get up and use the sickly sweet church voice which I hate to my core. Mm-hmm. Um, we still hear the same messages, like "Oh, you need to do, you need to do this, you need to do this, to be a good wife, a good mother." Um, the messages hasn't changed; it's been softened, but it's not been eradicated.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And well, one yeah. one thing that I struggle with, um, just with being somebody who I consider a feminist, is that even on Opportunities to speak, we never see black feminists, we never see black women speak. Okay. And that's one of my ongoing issues with being as outspoken as mm-hmm. I am, being as back back in the day when I used to have my church Instagram talking about stuff in the church and being able to speak at conferences. I would be the lone black face. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. really don't have an outlet either for people of color. It's easier for somebody who's white white or fair complexion to say, I'm a feminist and be supported in that. But if I say I'm a feminist, it's like, no, take your place. Um, And that's been one of my ongoing challenges with with, you know, being a feminist and often yeah. feeling like my voice has to be stifled even really? when i'm saying the same thing
0: thanks for naming that ramona and i yeah even thinking back to like jane manning james like they were trying to keep her quiet too
1: like yeah. no yeah. i did go to the temple no like why stop. don't we know yeah. who did her temple work that's what i want to know we need to know who did her temple work mm. reveal that to us mm. I, I mean, some statues and a monument. Granted, is is all great and dandy, but like, why are some of these stories not as vocal? Sorry, not as apparent in the church,
2: right? right. Well, um, okay. Go I ahead. think it's. I think it's because, um, like, if a if you ask someone, if you ask a doctor to describe, what are the signs and symptoms of a heart attack what they're going to tell you is what it looks like when a man has a heart attack
0: mm-hmm. and
2: when we look at um like crash test dummies like when I get in my car with the seatbelt, it's designed for the average man yeah. like that is universal right. and when it comes to race whiteness is the norm is right. I'm using, using air quotes universal and so doctors who learn all about skin cancer. Every single picture in their medical books is of white skin with things. And, and so a, a, somebody like BIPOC comes in and doctors don't even know what they're looking for. Like it's not, mm. they don't even have resources to figure out if a mole or something is cancerous because everything is for white people and it's mm. just the default. Everything yeah. is for able bodied people, everything is for neurotypical people. Mm-hmm. We have this whole series of of defaults and Ramona um, you have intersection, you've got a chronic illness. Like you have things that layers of things that make life harder for you than for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally ignorant if I don't acknowledge that.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah I I was just thinking about something um like what we were talking about earlier with Tarana talking about the whole marriage thing um and even though you know converts come into the church and you're trying to be this good person and trying to accept the church and all the goodness that comes with it all the craziness that comes with it as well um I do know that sometimes when somebody admits to their feminism um, or that they've had this feminist awakening, that often members who are not in that place don't understand fully or um, are not as supportive as they should be or have taken them to be supportive, turn that person into the enemy. Mm -hmm. or the weapon right Um, and i will say this um just because my when i was growing up my grandmother told me and this is something that i live my life by and that is why i'm probably not married yet um my grandmother told me get as much education as you can if somebody comes along they can't take that education away from you that's Mm -hmm. your education nobody can take that away so Mm -hmm. that is Been my guiding principle. Um, my grandmother's like, when I got older, she was like, "Do all the things that I couldn't do because of the time I was that I was living in, so that you can say that you can live your life without regrets." I've done that. Yeah, and my grandmother was like, "If you," my grandmother had an awful love story that probably is gonna come up sometime on Exponent in some capacity. Um, but. I remember her telling me, if you get married because you want to be married, don't do it. She's mm. like, think about it carefully. Um And think about it, not in that you're seeing everybody else get married, but because something really profound is happening. And it's a relationship that is worth saving and whatever. Um, and I remember... Uh, my like six of my girlfriends got married last in the last year in the wow. last two years wow and coming down the line and one just as recently as last week mm-hmm. although we're not that close. um and I remember when I was going to graduation and when I was struggling with my anxiety I remember me self-destructing and a friend is like oh, you need to go date this person. I was like, I do not have mm-hmm. the, energy, the capacity to date anybody right now. I didn't I didn't understand what it was myself, but I was like, I do not have the energy to date right now. Why are you not dating? Why are you having this sort of self-depreciating humor right now? You should be focused on finding a man. And I'm like, the man oh. is not going to fix my problems. That's not the answer. Yeah, yeah. My,
2: my mantra that I just want to like, tattoo on every young woman's forehead is a man is not a plant (laughs) and that's not to say like uh, get married have children like be in a committed relationship like Mm -hmm. that's fine but like you always need to have something that's yours yeah you know as Ramona was saying her grandma saying get as much education as you can I mean I've had a lot of friends fabulous marriages really supportive husbands, you know all of that but if you don't have something then you are sort of at the whim of your children yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: it's you know and and it's like you need to be able to recognize where your where you stop and your children start like you need to be your own person Mm -hmm. and and if if your children are your entire world it's hard it's hard yeah
0: and going back to what the man is not a plan for like things I was realizing um, to a couple of years ago is like, I want partnership, not patriarchy. And mm-hmm. I want partnership, not rescue. Like, I'm yeah. not like, oh, I just hope someone will Come
1: along That's and marry me. me. Like, no, no, That's I'm not looking for
0: rescue. For no. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, funny story. Um, my mom is now telling this story to everybody at work. I don't know why. Um, But I remember when I got my degree, um, the day after graduation, no, it was an empty degree holder.
0: Uh huh. There uh was no degree in it. Right. The placeholder. The right Uh huh.
1: And I went back to Provo where I was staying. And I remember putting it in the bed next to me, (laughs) tucking it in like if it was somebody sleeping next to me. And I snatched my degree the first time because I have worked so hard for it
0: absolutely
1: yeah telling that story to everybody and I mean I, I always say like have a backup plan have a backup plan to your backup plan because the day that somebody says they don't want you the day somebody says that your life and their life is no longer compatible together you are out to to sea with no canoe no 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 paddle no nothing yeah and Right. And I explored
0: that with one of my friends a couple of years ago, again, when I was in Boston, just kind of realizing like, wait, we were taught, get an education in case you get a divorce in case your husband dies, not know, get but... an education because education is good or like yeah. just like backup plans. And so just yeah. kind of like grappling with it, like, well, that's what we were raised with. And now we're trying to figure out what do we want to do? So <laughs> we're not married at 21, yeah. so like in our mid twenties at the time, but just kind of like yeah. processing that.
1: yeah Yeah. and now I'm at the stage where I'm like uh, my friends are fuming with me because they're all now married um and I remember a good friend told me one thing recently she's like as I was going through my breakup she was like nobody it never tells you how the negatives of the relationship are they always tell you the positives so -hmm. remember that um two um I remember telling a friend of mine oh you're talking about getting married I also get the same feeling of endorphins when I get on an airplane and I go to someplace new (laughs) yeah (laughs) as you oh but a plane ride is not a husband I was like did I say I wanted one or the other um Mm. so it's it's growing into my feminism is is realizing that I don't owe anybody any opinion about the decisions that I make in my life, um, which is difficult for me because I feel like if like, I turn to people, please. Yeah. Easy. But easy I, I, do. I think that, that I'm growing into my feminism. I just don't care if people don't like the choices I've made because these are my own choices.
0: Amen. Yeah. And like, own yeah, that learning that self validation is so important as a feminist because you yeah there's going to be times where people don't like what you're doing don't like your boundaries um yeah. will push back and
2: and I mean we've talked about this before but but feminism is not just for women um like men you know, too in the in the therapy room i see a lot of men who have all of this provider anxiety
0: mm. who feel
2: like everything is on them and if they can't quite do it they feel like failures they don't feel like they have permission to um you know to nurture and provide that they, mm-hmm. both people can do both of those things right and it's just hard
0: um my brother who's 25 was teasing he's like yeah like um if you're not six feet six figures six children you're not successful as a man in the lds church and i was like wow wow wow
2: that's so not true
0: so he and he's being cynical but it was just like kind of cringy because i think of the like mormon mba mckinsey like that um that kind of vibe too of the like have lots of money have lots of kids pressure that a lot of men have
1: the 4.5 kids
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so and yeah i I felt like we don't hate men
1: Uh, um
0: yeah but i think i just
1: want y'all to act right
0: right i i am intrigued i've had different people i know who've divorced and dated and married people who aren't mormon and they're like it's so nice that they don't have any mormon baggage and our partners and i don't have to be their mom and so just hearing and I'm like, whoa. Because, yeah, patriarchy hurts everyone. And whether the um, men realize it right now or not. And I know we, I want to talk about Barbie movie all the time. But I really liked the post that Elizabeth Hammond did recently. I read through that okay. on the Exponent blog. Because I a critique ahead of the Barbie movie was like, oh, like, why at the end were they like, maybe someday, men, you can, like, become a Supreme Court judge. But for now, you get to be a lower court judge. I was like, why did they create a better world when they could? But she brought up a point that, like, it's a reminder that <laughs> women's power in the real world. So that inverse of like, it's slowly rising. Um, and so for the inverse in the Barbie land is Barbie world is uh, where am I going Within in the Barbie world? Ken's can have more power, like in relation to how women are getting more power in the real world, but yeah. that it's also as patriarchy decreases, the men are benefited too um which like goes back to so many layers too of thinking about like racism like so many things of like no everyone would be better off if we helped everyone but our white supremacy gets in the way our hatred of poor people gets in the way of the like they didn't work hard enough they can't get anything and it's like no if we provide health care then so many people can do better
2: like can like live lives and yeah like getting to this point where i'm getting older like i have several friends getting like knee replacements mm. and suddenly accessibility is a big deal. And mm. I'm looking at it differently. I've always been able-bodied. I don't care if there's an elevator, like, I don't, you know, whatever, I'll just take stairs. Like, like for people who, who have disabilities, like all of us are eventually going to be disabled, right? That's something that's common for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm becoming more aware of it. Like, oh my gosh, it would make the world better for everybody. things were more accessible
0: absolutely and that's like a urban like an urban planning thing or like architecture thing is like how are you planning with accessibility in mind from the beginning rather than like uh, how do we add a ramp at the end it's like no like how do you design it from the beginning because it will benefit everyone Mm
2: -hmm. like it's not
0: just like oh if there's a ramp it'll be in the way no if you did like make it part of all the design you can add like beauty and functionality yeah Like,
2: like why are the people in the wheelchairs ruining it for everybody else it's like they're not because no. chances are you're going to need that ramp at some point so get over yourself
1: yeah totally... um you that we're talking about disabilities i just wanted to make a comment um so i have a disability a hidden disability um which is my secret talisman um so i have lupus and so it just attacks my body for the listeners who don't know what lupus is um And I remember, I always lead with that when I go on dates and stuff. And I remember I went on a date and the guy was like, why do you want so much? You have a disability. Whoa. You're such a feminist. Why are you so... I don't think he used the word feminist, but he used something along those lines. He was like, Mm -hmm. why are you a feminist when you are basically um lesser than? Ugh. And Ew. I remember um this guy said, Oh yeah, you should you should lower your standards because you are not the optimal optimal woman for, for marriage in the LDS church. And I said like, Is that turn to convince me to date you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Ew. It was just and Ew. I find a lot of a lot of and this is the Caribbean man that said this. Um, so I find a lot of Caribbean LDS men are are like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I that that happened, and unfortunately, that is some of the attitudes of men in the younger demographics. I don't want to say younger because Caroline, you're not that much older than me,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah.
1: but that's what the streets are like in LDS single town, and it's the trenches. It's awful out here um so if i have to put up with that and deal with this i'd rather be single i'd rather put stamps in my passport and travel the world yeah happily
0: so singles word friend brought this up of the like happiest to least happy Happ- happily coupled happily single unhappily single unhappily coupled so unha so happily so being single is better than being unhappily coupled. So, again, back to a relationship won't, won't change your life. won't rescue you. You need your own yep. work and just back to that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I feel like we're veering off into other topics that we need to save for our next episode with Lindsay Pace of Single Then, so we get to talk about LDS dating. Um, Ramona and Heather, I love that we were able to share where we are with our feminism or not, where our journey's um I feel I feel like we each had a lot more stories to share but and I hope they come up through the um our next episodes and I'm glad that I got to know y'all better and listeners we'd love to hear your feminist journeys as well write to us at podcast at exponent2 which is exponentii.org remember we are a 501c3 help fund the revolution we are tax deductible donations but we also love to hear your voice writing for the blog writing for the magazine volunteering for the magazine or blog come to the retreat um we'd love to hear from you subscribe to the newsletter uh have a great rest of your day